Well, good morning. Good morning. Uh, bravo for you to come out in this rainstorm. <laughs> I'm so glad to see you guys here this morning. And welcome to those who are watching online. And uh, I do want to acknowledge that today we're going to celebrate the contribution that women make, right? Uh, mothers in particular. And so uh, I want to pray over you. So what I'm going to ask you to do is right where you're at, right? You can stay seated. I just want you to raise your hand if you're a mom, a grandmom, or if you're a person that champions children, okay? So just raise, there you go, good. All right, guys, now what I want you to do, the rest of you, keep them up. The rest of you, I want you to extend your hand towards them, and we're going to bless them, okay? Holy Spirit, I thank you for the honor and the privilege of being a mother and a grandmom and one who champions children. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you bless each and every uh, woman that raised her hand, Lord God, that you would do something special in their life, Lord. Would you deposit your knowledge into them to let them know that you see, Father, all the sacrifice, that it is you who sees uh, what they do, Father. The world might not see it, but you see it. And so today, Father, I thank you for the opportunity to lift them up and I ask that you would bless them in their role, Lord, that you'd give them anointing and help them, Father. Now, I thank you, Lord, for them. And just take this ordinary message today, Father, and do extraordinary things. You know, I can do nothing without you. So, Holy Spirit, come and be a part of all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, guys. All right. It's so good to be here with you. Now, I have chosen for my message today gone off track a little bit but uh, from our series, uh, but it still fits under there. But today I want to talk about, she said yes, and I am talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus. All right? So that's my topic today. And I happen to think that Mary is a very powerful uh, woman, but a powerful example of a mother, right? Somebody who said yes to God. And so most of us know the story of who Mary, mother of Jesus is, right? We recount it every Christmas, right? She's part of the Christmas story. But I think she deserves more than just a nod at Christmas, all right? I would like to bring her to you and talk to her because I think she's one of the most misunderstood uh, women in the Bible, actually. And part of that is because of what uh, uh, religion has done with her name, in her name, right? How tradition has taken her and tried to equate her equal to Jesus, right? But I'm telling you, if she was up here today, she would say, uh-uh, I need a savior just like you guys do. And I'm so ordinary, right? But I said yes to my God and he did extraordinary things in my life. And so she is so worthy of us looking at her life and not because everybody makes her bigger than life, but because the beauty, the magnificence of who she is is found in the ordinariness of who she is. Her humanity, right? It's in her humanity that we can really see God move. You see, if you venerate her and you put her up on high, you're like, of course, of course. But if you see her like one of us, then you go, whoa. She's actually somebody that we can emulate, somebody we can follow, right? Somebody we can learn things from. You see, she was only uh, ever so young when that angel first appeared to talk to her, wasn't she? She was only about 14 years old. You remember that, right, in the story where the angel comes and he says, Mary, I got good news for you. <laughs> You're going to have a child, and the child's going to be that of God's, right? Whoa, mind-blowing. And yet, 
She didn't understand all that, right? But she said, yes, Jesus, I'll follow you. Well, yes, Father God, I'll follow you, right? And the extraordinary happened because of who she is. And so we need today to be able to, to follow her suit. And I believe she can teach us these great and marvelous things. Now, I happen to provide an outline for you. You can pull that out and, and follow along with it. It's online also. You can click there, and it's in the QR codes, okay? So we got that covered. Well, look at the first thing she's going to say. When she says yes, when the God moments come. Now, God moments are when the infilling of the Holy Spirit happens to break into our reality. Let me say that again. Holy Spirit comes and he breaks into the reality of what's going on. Holy Spirit is breaking in right now into this reality. He's all around us. He's in us. And he's moving. And so there are these God moments, especially that hit us individually. And we need to be ready for them, like Mary. Right? They, and when they do come in, they often seem impossible. Now, I th happen to think that's an underestimation. <laughs> when they come in, when Godmen's come in, they really nerve us, right? They can just like, oh my gosh, they're just so hard to, and unbearable. They're awkward. It's like, what is this, right? I don't know whether to laugh or to cry. <laughs> what, what's going on here? You see, when the Holy Spirit comes in, he gives us direction, right? And a lot of times it doesn't make sense in our mind. You know, there's God moments that come in, they just feel mm, so impossible, so lofty, right? They just are bigger than who we are. And so it is worthy to look at when the God moment happened for Mary and what happened to her in that place. It says, Luke 1, 31 through 34, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will have no end. And this is what Mary says. How will this be? Mary asked, right? The angel, uh, she asked the angel, since I am a virgin. Now, this reaccounting, I love this. This huge pronunciation just happened by this angel, right? And her first thought is, uh, that can't happen, right? <laughs> she goes to correct God. And, you know, don't worry about you're going to have the son of God. She goes to this whole idea of, hmm, conception. Uh, just in case you didn't know God, to conceive one has to have sex. And hey, not this girl, right? I mean, isn't that what she's doing? She's correcting him, right? And stuff, because she doesn't know what to do. See, nothing in her life prepared her for this. The truth of the matter is, when God comes upon us, it doesn't make sense in our mind, right? We don't know what to do. I have spoke with so many people that try to rationalize things, right? And if they say, if they can't understand it here, then it just cannot be, right? They have to make it make sense here. Well, if you hold those things onto those, then you can't move forward. You can't walk out when God comes upon you. I've seen that with salvation, when I, when I describe salvation, people are like, it can't be that simple, just raising my hand and praying to God. It can't be that simple. It doesn't make any rational sense. Or when I talk about forgiveness and people will listen and go, you want me to forgive somebody that hurt me so much? Oh my goodness, we can't do that. It doesn't make any sense. My mind can't conceive it. 
or here's my favorite when I teach about God owns your whole life. He owns everything. And, and so he owns all your finances and your resources. And he gives us uh, guidelines on how to, how to respond to those. He gives us something called the tithe. He says, give back 10% as an acknowledgement. You know it all belongs to me. And people goes, that makes no sense, right? It makes no sense. And so they're constantly trying to use their mind to, to, uh, to make sense of God's word, what he tells us. And here's the interesting thing. You know, we, we get in our mind that we have to understand it. The God of the universe that created everything, we have to understand here, right? That's what we think. But you really don't want that. You do not want the God of the universe to try to fit into your brain. It doesn't work, right? You know what the reality is? We need to move from our mind down into our heart right? Into our soul. In other words, we need to trust him. We need to trust him. And so we don't want to reduce God down to our understanding. We want to come and we want to move with the Holy Spirit so we can understand him. God always does things to blow your mind. I was thinking about uh, when we first came into this building, you know, we paid it off within three years. God was moving so miraculously during those days. And then shortly after that, because this was a broken down old uh, Jim Strata, you know, we, uh, we knew we had to renovate. So I got ready because a part of my gift mix is to uh, be able to make plans and, you know, do just, I'm a business girl, right? And so I was making all these plans and trying to figure out how we were going to accomplish them. I knew it was going to take $1.2 million to do this. And so I began to pray because that's, so lar- that's a large amount. And in my prayer, guess what? God shows up in a God moment. And then he says to me, Sharon, I want you to collect money, but first... I want you to do it for the church that I'm going to give you in your heart. And he shows me a church down in Mazalon, a little one on Stone Island. And he says, I want you to collect. I want you to build their church first. And I was like, uh, God, like Mary, right? God, in case you didn't know, I'm, I'm pretty sure as a business person, that's not good sense, right? So I'm trying to correct the Lord. And he says, no, I want you to do this first. Of course, we prayed about it as a leadership team, and that's exactly what we did. We decided to trust him, to be able to to walk out in faith, and you know what? He worked it all out. Look at the place that we have, right? This is what Father does. He gives us things that are so big, so impossible for us. We cannot understand them, and we must lean into our ability to trust him. Matter of fact, when all this was going on, Mark, tw- uh, Mark 10 came up, and I thought, this is what the Lord was speaking to my heart. He says, uh, Jesus looked at them and said, this is a part, what man, what, uh, with man this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible with him, right? All things are possible with God. And so again, that's where our focus needs to be. And, and Jesus, Mary, mother, you know, she, she says, hey, you guys, when God moves on you, it feels impossible, but you got to push forward anyway. In those God moments, you got to walk out. Don't put it here, put it here, and begin to trust. And then she tells us, we also must just say yes. Just say yes. In those God moments, you say yes. I don't understand it, but I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to take that dream you gave me or take that God moment. I'm going to walk in it, right? Look at her response here. She says in Luke 1, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. Now watch this. 
May your words be to me fulfilled. I highlighted that for you because I believe that that's the time that conception happened. I believe that that's when faith was exploded. Do you see that? When it was released into the reality. I believe when she agreed with God in the God moment and said, yes, send me, I'll do this, right? I believe that's when the Lord uh, impregnated her. And then it says, then the angel left her, right? And so I want to again underscore, underscore that Mary, Mary was an ordinary person like me or like you, right? And, and, and I, I want to hypothesize that I believe that Mary knew when she said yes, that to be pregnant without being married is a huge deal, right? And in that time, not unlike ours, in that time it was extremely um, shameful to be pregnant and to be out of wedlock, right? And I believe she thought to herself in this moment that she was agreeing with God, she thought, oh man, I can just see my family now, the Jewish, you know, my Jewish family. Ay, 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 you and, you and uh, him can wait, you know, as her belly grows, right? You brought disgrace to her family. <laughs> you can almost hear it, right? Dishonor to us. And I don't think it's just her family. I also believe Joseph. You know, when Joseph gets wind, he is just, he's going to be devastated. It's going to hurt because he knows that she's got to be unfaithful because he knows it's not his. And as you read scripture, you see he wants to put her away quietly, right? But it's, he's devastated. He's hurt. We know this from scripture, right? That's going to be his reaction, and, and Mary knows this. And then her whole community, well, my goodness, the community's going to say, whoa, what's going on here, right? Again, this is scandalous. And then when she dares to tell them that this is a child of God, nobody's going to believe her. They're going to think she's cray-cray, right? Like bonkers. There's not, they're not going to believe it, right? And so Mary's stepping into this, knowing all of this, because she's human like you and me. And she's like, ay, 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 ay. But I must say yes. You know, this reminds me of a scripture story I read in the New Testament about a synagogue leader. His name was Jairus, right? And so he had heard about Jesus when Jesus was walking on earth, about him teaching and healing and stuff like that. And the thing about Jairus is he was a good guy, a good leader, right? And his only daughter, the young daughter, got sick and ill, and she was looking like she was going to die. And so he comes to Jesus, and he pleads, please, Jesus, come and heal my daughter. He pleads with Jesus, and of course, Jesus smiles and says, I'll do that. I'll come with you. But you know, on the way to actually going to Jairus' home, right, we're told in the story that as he's walking, the crowds are compressing upon him. He feels his garment being touched. Somebody touches him, and the power goes out, and so he stops to recognize that and to have a dialogue, right? And we know about the woman with the issue of blood that was healed just by touching the garment of Jesus, right? And as all this is going on, and Jairus is there watching it, we're told that some people from his household come in, right? They come to get him and say, hey, it's too late. It's too late. She died. Don't bother the master anymore. And you know Jairus' heart must have just been so crushed at that moment. But then watch what Jesus says here to him. He says, overhearing what they had said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. 
just believe. You know, we need to be able to say yes to Jesus. And when we're going and it doesn't make sense and it seems impossible, we need to say yes. We need to follow him and be able to know that he's going to work all things out, right? This reminds me of when the Father called me to ministry. You know, I didn't start out wanting to do this, guys, right? Actually, actually, I was a businesswoman and an educator. I liked that. That was my field. And I had struggled having children for a while. And this, this was Andy's, Andy's um, his heart. And so when he talked to me about doing this and we were praying, I, I said, okay, I'll help you, right? I'll help you get started. And indeed, that's what I thought in my mind. So I brought all my, my gifts to him and I said, okay, let's, let's work together to create this vineyard church that you see in your heart. And so I started putting the business plans behind that and, and working with him. Well, what happened was I started having children at that time and life was ever so full and it had been about six years into it and I can remember, <laughs> I can remember like it was yesterday, I went to the Lord at, at a ladies' conference. I took the girls up to this conference in New Jersey and as I was uh, talking with the Lord, you know, I was worshiping him, this, this song came on and my question in my heart at the time had been, oh God, can I, can I just go back to my profession my chosen career, you know, it gives me so much uh, love and enjoyment. And, and now the time is here, Father. Can't I go back? And so I was talking to him about that, and the song came, and it says, Am I allowed to break your heart with the things that break my heart? And I can remember singing that, and the Holy Spirit saying, Is that true, Sharon? And I said, Yes. And indeed, that's what he did. He gave me a vision where I began to see the city of Hampton Roads, right? He, I began to see the city and I began to see the vastness of it and how so many people didn't know who Jesus Christ was. And that meant a facing, you know, a Christless eternity. And it rocked my world. And in my dream, I thought, you know, in that, that place of that vision, I thought, oh my gosh, this can't be. And I remember crying out to God and saying, you have to do something. You see, the social injustice overtook me. And I said, I was pleading with the Lord, you have to do something. And then the Lord spoke back to me. He said, I did. I'm sending you. And I tell you, my first response was like, you've got to be kidding. Ministry is a boy's sport. <laughs> it's not a girl's sport. And I'm the most ill-equipped to do this. You can't be sending me. And he never answered me. Yet my gaze went back to the people that were more numerous that didn't know Christ. And they were growing exponentially. And my heart was so overwhelmed that I could feel it when I reaccounted re that I was overcome. I was overcome. I was like, God, okay. <laughs> you picked the least of these, but all right. Yes, I will do this. I remember saying that, and the minute I said that, the Lord released to me how to use all my gifts and talents and my leadership, not just to help the church get here, but to actually partner with it and to walk with it until such time that he calls me away. Do you see that? It took a yes on my behalf, and I've been doing this for 30 years. Mother Mary of Je you know, Jesus' mother, she actually is one who said yes, even though she didn't understand. I can say that I said yes, and I didn't understand. When we do that, when we acknowledge that, great and mighty things happen. And that's where God wants us to be. 
He wants us to say yes when the God moments come in. And then he wants us to know about God moments also. He says uh, they open up uh, the God's best for our life. That God moments will open up God's very best for your life, right? When we hear it because it's so overwhelming and we're bending in and we say yes, it's still, you know, things are going to happen. We got to walk through it and we got to know that God wants us to not just agree, but that he's going to take care of us, right? He is going to take care of us. See, God wants the very best for you. I know for me, like so many of you, when, when we say yes to God and we're walking down those, like when I was in ministry, walking down, every time I would get pushed back, right? I would run to the Father and be like, why? Why are you asking me to do this, you know? And I know that's true whenever we walk out, that, that things hit us and we want to know the whys. But now fast forward 40-some years, I've been in ministry, and with every yes, the why dissipates. I don't need to know. You see, I know it's going to all work out for the best. Even those really hard things that, that make me have tears and cry, and I know I'm not even going to ask why, because he's going to work it out. Why do I do this? Because he knows what's best for our lives, for mine and for you, and we just need to, we need to trust him. And in Mary's story, it summarizes this, this ability just to know that God's got her best. But again, because, because she's human like us, I know she struggled. I know that when, you know, as time started going on, she said her yes and, and all the reactions, you know, of people and stuff and trying out the little story on a few people, I think she started to get afraid. I think she started to look and say, what am I doing? God, do you really, is this best for me to be pregnant without being married? Really? <laughs> right? And I believe that it was hard for her. And she started to get discouraged. And, and she thought, I just can't take this anymore. I'm going to get out of Dodge. You know, when, we, when things get tough, right? We run. And so she said, I want to get out of Dodge. And so where does she go? She goes to her cousin, Elizabeth. Now, you know Elizabeth and Zechariah, right? They had their own personal God moment where she got pregnant when she was really old, right? And gave birth to John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, right? And so what we see here is that Mary runs to her because she knows, you know, she's, she's human, right? She's scared, and, and she knows that, that I'm going to get away, and, and, and Elizabeth's house is going to be a place I can just hide for a little bit right? Now here's the interesting twist, I think. God knew she was going to get there because that's what we do as humans. He knew that. That's why he provided Elizabeth, that she would be there to encourage and to help her out, right? And you can see this, that, uh, that, that this is actually happening by the way she responds to Mary when Mary comes in. You see, Mary wasn't showing right? She just knew it in her heart. Yet when she came to visit Elizabeth unannounced and just came there, right? Look at what Elizabeth says to her. She says this, in a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child with, uh, you will bear. She doesn't know she's pregnant and she's blessing Mary and her unborn child. And then she said, blessed is she who has believed she could feel the faith came out. She believed that the Lord would fill his promise to her. And so what we see 
is that God has indeed come through. He's opened the door to be able to intervene and to give her what she needs. She's, he's using an older woman to help minister to a younger one. That God's got this. Matter of fact, I'm pregnant here and I shouldn't be, right? I'm getting ready to give birth to, to, to this child and the miraculous stuff around him. And that gave, that gave Mary hope. Do you see that? That spoke to her soul while she was there. You know, I couldn't help but think for my own life. You know, when, when I was trying to have children, and, and you've heard me, I have told you numerous times, it was so very um, painful, years of losing children, right? And then my, my uh, last child, well, my child I had that was actually live-born, his name was Samuel. You heard him when he was standing up here, right? And so for Samuel, he was also supposed to die in my womb, right? Or shortly after birth, uh, you know, I gave birth because he had a heart and a lung compression problem and it was killing him as he was growing. And so the, all the prognosis is, you know, came in that I should abort him, right? And so I remember laying on the table when they're doing an amnio to make sure there wasn't other issues than what they were seeing. And I remember crying out to the Lord, holding my stomach and saying, God, help. And he gave me his name. He said, his name shall be Samuel. His name will be Samuel, asked of God. You see, God heard me. He heard me. So when it came back around and the, you know, the people wanted to talk to me, the specialists, and they were saying, this is unwise, you're older. You know, I was in my late 30s then, and, and, and it's older, and, and you, you know, this isn't good, and, and so forth. I remember holding on to this, and every day, and then I had to go to bed rest shortly after that, I would count Samuel's movements, and I would recount what the Lord said. And as he continued to get worse, as the medical community had promised he would, I can remember just being so big, being seven months, and uh, just going out into my yard. I remember looking up and just sat down on the ground and just started to weep. I was like, God, I can't do this. I'm not strong enough. I'm going to end up in a mental institution. I can't do it. I can't face a death and a birth all at once. I wasn't designed for this. And I can remember looking up and thinking, the God who put all those stars together this is nothing. He's got this. And I chose to get up and to walk it out, right? And then it wasn't my God did decided not to heal until the last, like, eighth, almost ninth in the month, you know, just before I delivered. That's when they did an ultrasound and saw that his heart was coming back down. It was really compressed and enlarged. It was starting to shrink. And, and the lungs that had, you know, pushed over into this cavity started to working back. Everybody was so excited, right? And Samuel was born, and he was born whole, and he was born alive, and he's been a, a joy to me ever since then. You see, God promises, and he makes things all happen. It, does, it might look dark, it might look difficult, and you might be in here today, and you're going, wait a minute, I'm facing some things like that, that are just dark, and they're very hard. I want to tell you, if you trust God and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, he's so faithful, he'll direct your steps. And I know all the children that I lost before then, right? And the tragedy of having to walk through that, but the triumph of, of watching God do a miracle and being right in the mix of it. Do you know that's the woman I was forged uh, that speaks before you today? 
That was my fortune. That was my fire. That's who made me who I am. And so God uses the things. He doesn't cause them, but he uses them in our life to make us the, the men and the women that he says we're to be. And so Mary is saying we must trust him in all things. Now, I just spent time showing you that when the God moments come, that it does feel bigger than life, and that Mary's saying, yes, you need to use that yes and say yes, and that's when it's birthed in your life. And he says, and then she says, trust God, trust God. But also, Mary wants to encourage you by giving you a few things that she thinks, and I happen to agree with her, that these make all the difference in the world. And the first one is uh, that you stay connected to God right? That you stay connected to God. Now, this is going to be crucial, right? This is so important. But you know, the number one thing that pushes us away from God is our busy lifestyles, isn't it? And it's pretty, it is good stuff, your family, your friends, your hobbies. But we get so busy that we kind of push God to the side. At least that's how it works in my life, right? I can tell you that I have to wrestle all the time to keep God number one, keep him a priority in my life, keep it where I sit and talk with him, you know? And, and, and I can tell you when I get my priorities out of whack and out of balance, life becomes a lot more tough, right? But when I have him center, all the other stuff that's swirling around me, it just kind of makes, it just doesn't have the impact on me. I kind of walk through it with peace, and so I think that's what God wants us to see, that we need to push away from that busyness of the lifestyle and, and be connected to him, right? To be connected to him in our life and have that better course, we can feel the peace of Christ. Now, to show you what I'm talking about, even during Jesus' time here on earth, right, when he was being born, we are told about, you know, the angels appearing to the shepherds. Remember that, right? They come and they are, and they're in the field, right? And, he's, and they tell him, hey, Jesus is being born. And so the shepherds, you know, off they run to see uh, Mary and the baby, right? And so I'm going to reaccount that with you. It says, so they hurried off, busy, and found Mary and Joseph and the baby. Now watch this. When they had seen him, they spread, so now they're moving again, the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And so the whole world moves like that. We're going fast. We're very busy people. We got things to do. They're good, but we're always in emotion. Watch this. But Mary, Mary, she treasured up all these things and pondered them. She pondered them, right, in her heart. And so what I want you to see is Mary's, uh, Mary's reaction should be our reaction. We need to start to slow down, right? We need to go to God, and we need to begin to ponder the things of his and what he says to us. This is going to be crucial. I can hear it. And so here you go. There are some of you, you're running so dang fast, so hard. And the word of the Lord is slow down. Find a place where you can be at rest and sit there. Maybe turn on your worship music. Maybe read the word and begin to talk to him. He wants to reassure you you're going to be okay. But you need to spend time with him. And Mary's story is about reminding us that we need to be able to be connected to God to make everything make sense. The second thing that Mary did is she said we need to be connected to people, right? 
She says, stay connected to the people who encourage you. Not just any people, but people who encourage you, right? We are to fold in with them. And here you go, the scripture we see here, it says, Mary uh, stayed with Elizabeth, right, her cousin. Now watch this, for about three months. That's, that's not a short visit. Can you ever have somebody three months? That's a long visit. And then return home. So why did she stay for three months? Because... Mary, Mary needed that. Elizabeth was there to encourage her, right? She blessed her in her mess, you know, and began to speak positive things. And, and that helped Mary immensely. Guys, you and I need to have people in our lives. People that will be what I call dream makers, not dream busters. People that would be encouraging and would point us to the word of God when things get tough. Where do you find such of the people like that? Well, you find them in the small groups. That's where you start to develop your friendships. It's in the small groups, and it's important that you're part of that system so that you can, in the day uh, that when you're not in calamity, that you have developed these folks that can be encouraging to you. And that's what Mary wants us to know. Her advice was not just connect with God, but connect with people that can encourage you. And then lastly, she says this. Also, we need to stay connected to the bigger picture. The bigger picture. Well, here you go. Jesus, right? Mary, the mother of Jesus, had taken care of her child, Jesus, for 33 years. She had loving, you know, lovingly cared for him, taken care of him, right? Been there to help him on different things, right? And now she's come to a place where she's standing at the foot of the cross and she's watching her child, She's watching his hands being pierced in his feet, and she's watching him getting ready to be executed. Most teachings I hear on the cross, <laughs> they focus on, on Jesus and, and what he did for dying and suffering on the cross, and that's all noble and worth it. I love those teachings. And then I hear teachings on the cross that talk about Father God, that he gave up his only begotten son, and I so know that must have been hard because I have three sons now, right? But have you ever wondered, have you ever wondered what Mary's perspective must have been like? Have you ever wondered that? You know, I think it's the hardest thing as a parent to have to bury your child. I don't think for a parent there's anything worse than that. And I've been at many, many a funeral, and the hardest ones are always with children, Right? They're so hard. What do you say? What do you do? Even my young pastors, when I'm working and training them, and we go to, uh, to render uh, love and aid to those that have lost a child, they always look at me and go, what do I say? What do I do? How do I bring hope? You know, what, what, what's going to happen? We're standing at this grave and this little uh, child, what, what do we do, Sharon? You see, I think it's the hardest thing for a parent to bury a child. And I think it's the hardest thing to have to go through. Yet that's exactly where Mary was. That's exactly where she was. Now I want to show you the scripture that I think helped her to get through that. It says, Jesus, Jesus' mother, his aunt, Mary the wife of Claudius, and Mary Magdalene stood at the foot of the cross. I want you to notice She's got help. She's got friends. She's got people that are with her, that understand her, that love her, that's there for her, okay? Right? 
And now what's going to happen is Mary's watching her son being, you know, his hands and his feet being pierced. Oh, I hear that. And lifting up to gasp. Her baby was gasping for air. And she's there watching that helpless. In the darkest hour, her darkest hour, she's looking at her her baby boy here. And then Jesus' darkest hour, because the Father God has allowed this to happen, right? I want you to know, he sees his mom. Watch. Jesus saw his mother and the disciple, which was John, that he loved, standing nearby, right? Her, and he said to his mother, woman, here is your son. Then to the disciple, John, here is your mother. From that moment on, the disciple accepted her as his own mother. And so what I want you to see is that in Jesus' darkest hour, he looked at his mom and said, Mom, I can't be your son anymore. I have something I have to do, right? You see, I have to die for sharing meat sins. I have to die for sharing. And so I know I can't be your son anymore, but I'm giving you the very best I have, which is John. He's going to be your son from this point on. And then we're told that Jesus dies. That story is a remarkable story. When you stop to ponder what the scriptures are really telling us, right? When you stop to, to look at that, then you can see. You can see what's going on. So how is Mary now going to get up and walk forward? Her son is dead. She's walking. She, she doesn't have as close relationship with John. And all these things are new. What is she going to do? The same thing, guys, that we do when we're facing the darkest places in our life. The places of uncertainty. Right? You know, I, 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 t- I tend to think we put too much stock in trade in this life. Too much happiness is predicated on good things happening as you see them here. But you see, we're just passing through. You know, Scripture tells us that the that the um, hope the hope is found in heaven. It's, cry, it's described as the blessed hope. It's heaven. You see, it's about eternity. And so, when we begin to understand that that this life, it, we're just sojourners, that we're just passing through. We're like a vapor, and then we're gone. And this is not our home. But eternity is. We begin to see the bigger picture. We begin to see the bigger picture because the blessed hope says that one day we will stand before Jesus. But it also says those that we love and that we miss, they will be there with us also. Do you see that? And so by having the bigger perspective here, you know, getting the big pictures to know that you and I were created for eternity. That's where our home is. We have a job to do here on earth, but our home is in heaven with our Father. And Jesus has made a way for us to be there. And when we keep that perspective, then when the God moments come in and they feel so larger than life, you can say, yes, I'm going to take on the impossible. Yes, you're going to mean this for good in my life. I know it. And I'm going to stay connected to you, Father, because I'm going to be with you all eternity. And I'm going to be around people that love you like I do, that can encourage me in my walk. And I will never forget that the big picture is that I am just passing through this life and I am to impact it with my one and only purpose that you have given me. So today you came, you came through the rain 
And I said, that's, that's so commendable because it is. But I don't believe that you just came uh, just because you're gridding iron and pulling you know, yourself in here. You see, I believe the Holy Spirit brought you each and every one in here. And so this word that I'm speaking is for you. Father wants you to know that he loves you. He wants to know that he's getting ready to challenge you beyond your imagination. And he wants you to be, have, to be at, at ease with that and to trust him, to trust him. And those of you that are wrestling with fear and doubt and loneliness, God doesn't have that for you. He wants you to come home. He wants you to, to pronounce him as your savior, as your friend, and the way in to heaven. It's the way for eternity. And so in a moment, I'm going to close this in prayer, and I'm going to give those of you that are far from God an opportunity to do that. But kid yourselves not. Holy Spirit is here and he's moving. He's moving and and the move now is yours. What will you do with the word that he gave you? Bow your heads with me. thank you that you were redeeming Mary's name this morning and I thank you that she's so ordinary like like me and so many of us I love the fact that you use the ordinary to do the extraordinary it's just like you I thank you that you use our weaknesses because your strength shows up best like to do, 
I'm going to give you a moment just to raise your hand up, put it up high so I can see it, okay? And again, it's a spiritual act, so just go ahead and you can lift your hand right now.